0: Hello, Cheeseheads. Welcome to a special episode of the Cheese Room Podcast. Today, we're talking about the Enoch out protests that will be going on in little under two weeks' time. Uh, joining me to discuss these and tell us all about it is uh, Cenk. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm I'm
1: good. I'm just, um, to be honest, I'm watching a bit of football as well, chilling out. Spurs obviously just won on a weekend, not too bad, but I'm sure we get to a, a different issue today. and We'll talk about Enoch and the, and the movement that, that people were trying to create um, of, of recent times, so that should be a good one.
0: Yeah, I'll get you angry very quickly. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Well, let's just start off. Why are we protesting?
1: Well, why are we protesting? I I just want to clarify first, I'm not an organiser of it. I'm I'm just backing the movement and try and push the message out as mm. much as possible. Um obviously I'm a young lad, I'm nineteen years of age. All I've known, as we said off air, is Enoch and Daniel Levy. So I think in the past years, it's kind of been on the edge with Daniel yeah. Levy and and Enoch and we try to not stay quiet, but we've tried to, in terms, trust the process. If that makes sense, we've tried to go with what he's been saying in, the, with the trust and and all these things. We've tried to make his his um, tenure at his club as good as possible, and we've 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 backed it. We've been to Wembley. We shut up. We paid the ticket prices. We've, you know, the stadium delay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's been a lot of ups and downs during his time at the club. What has it been? It's 20 years, right? Around that around that figure. Joe yep, yep. Lewis, etc., as well. It's not just Daniel Levy, of course. Um, he is the face of it, to be honest with you. So that's why a lot of the sort of criticism is directed at him. But it's Joe Lewis equally as well. And he's got more shares in the club than him in terms of Enix. Mm-hmm. So there's that point. But for me, the ESL absolutely tipped over. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was the point where I just thought, like I just can't take anymore and we've got to we've gotta do something to put pressure on the board. Maybe Enoch won't leave, maybe Enoch won't sell that, but I think it's the message of that we want more, that we're not in the right di- right direction at this current moment in time. We need to be moving forward. Um mm. and, and there's I just find it really difficult in terms of I, look, I'm not criticising anyone's opinion in terms of if they do like Daniel Levy and, and Enoch, but the direction we're going in, I'm I'm not I just find it hard to see how anyone can justify it being a a good moment or anything like that. I just feel like there's, there's problems, there's big problems and it's really messy at the moment. And I just feel like typically we don't, we're not this sort of team that, that protest or fan base, whatever you call no. it. But now is, I think is the time it's the right time. And look, we just want to get our point across and our message is that, you know, enough is enough. As I said, we don't know if any are going to sell up, sorry. Mm. So I think we just need to put pressure on them and, and to get things right. Cause we've got too many things wrong. And look at the position we're in now. Um, yeah, okay. And we can go on to team and stuff as well. But that's my point really. There's a few other points I wanted to make as well, but we'll get into them.
0: Yeah, well, no, we'll, we'll talk over the issues because I mean, I mean, this started off because I, I mean, my main stance on this is that I don't see the point in this protest without some kind of solution. So mm. it feels like an angry protest and there's nothing really, you know, any problem with that. But, you know, what is it we actually want to achieve out of this? Because you mm. get people on one side who are just like Enoch out, hate them. And you see it on social media. Yeah. People hate Enoch. They hate Levy. Mm. And that's it. They just want them gone. But it's one of those grass is always greener situations, isn't it? Like, who do we think are going to come in with a football club that costs £2 billion to buy, laden with well, debt, etc.? Th-
1: this is the this is the thing. People do scream Enoch out. And then we go, well, what, what then if they sell up? Who's going to buy it? An American owner might come in. Uh, I don't know. Who? A billionaire from Asia? I've got no clue. But that's the... I think the moral is... Yes, they might not sell up, but it's the message. It's putting the pressure on them that that we're not happy at all. We're mm. not happy as... Well, I'm not happy. I, I don't speak for you, obviously, but I'm personally not happy. There's a few other people that are not happy, and that's why we've done the movement. But the thing is, this is a 139-year institution, and these are the temporary owners of this football club, right? Yeah. So when I sit here and I say, well, Daniel Levy might not sell up, he's going to have to sell up. He, the guy's not going to live forever, is he? And Joe Lewis is going to live <laughs> together forever. So this is the point I'm trying to make is that... Like, yes, is it realistic they sell up in this current climate? Absolutely not. Let's be totally honest about it. You know, we're yeah. a cash cow for them. That is just a fact. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the, um, there's a book that come out and it was from, I've just got it here actually. It is from Broken Dreams by Tom Bauer. Right. And what Daniel Levy had said was, there is no passion here. Admitting that neither Lewis nor himself was particularly keen on football. This is purely financial. Okay, yeah. we chose football. Levy explained because it was the most popular sport on earth and the biggest yeah. money spinner to enhance the dream of those potential profits. And you know, me and I know myself, football's a business now, right? Yeah. And they, and they, until they stop making money or they, it doesn't hit home to them, they're just going to carry on because the money in football is 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 crazy. And, and and this is not a message just to Daniel Levy as well. This is the message to the Glazers. This is the message to Kroenke. All these owners that are ruining football and ruining mm. the real. Core values as to why we like football and support these clubs. They're going to kill football. Florentino Perez as well. The guy is an absolute madman. And I think yeah. I think in recent weeks, you know, yesterday with the United protests, albeit you know, I think it did get a bit crazy, didn't it? With the, with the, it with the fans it on the pitch and and whatnot. But they're another team who have had enough. And I don't condone all that sort of stuff. I mean, going on to the pitch was was a was a was a statement. But when it got a little bit ugly, I think some. You know, they were smashing up equipment and, you know, there was there's a few people hurt, I think. So that part of it, I don't know if that's going to be productive in any sense, but they're getting their message across and you don't ever really see that happening. Football fans storming onto the pitch. I mean, I don't think fan voices have ever been this heard or this strong yeah. for years. I mean, you might, you're might you probably older than me, mate. You I don't know, have you seen anything like this? Because I certainly haven't. I, this is the first time for me where fans have really... Their voices are—they're are, stronger than anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, not in this country. There's not been a huge amount, but I, I guess my problem is is that we're all complicit in this. Like we've slowly watched football turn into what it is, yep. and no one's done anything about it. Yep. And as much as I think some people are taking a moral stance against the ESL, I feel like a lot of football fans. Spurs fans included, mm. feel a bit embarrassed by it. They don't like getting pelters from everybody else, going, look at your club. Yep. And I feel like we've come out of it looking like jokers. First of all, we got the piss taken out of us because we were involved in it. People yep. <laughs> yep. Why are Spurs involved? So we get that. you laugh, Fuck. We were doing something completely morally wrong and the first thing we get is, why are they even involved? And then it's like all the stuff that falls out from it. Mm. And I understand like it is. It's, it purely shows that money is a massive thing in football. But... That's just the nature of it. And if we wanted to do something about it, I don't think that necessarily just attacking the owners is going to achieve anything because you need reform across the whole of football, don't you? You can't Mm. even just do it in the Premier League because the point is we're all happy when the Premier League is the most exciting league in the world Mm. because of money. It is like the money's here, the best players want to come here. And so it's that problem, isn't it? Like you you would need to have something. If you're talking about wage caps, you're talking about, uh, you know, restriction on spending you'd have to do it across all of the leagues because we're not in a bubble
1: yeah I think um the the trust are pushing for fan representation on the board and that's certainly something I'm a big advocate for will it happen will the legislation go through will the law go through I don't know but it's worth pushing for it and there is a fan-led review with the government so movements are being made to stop these clubs and stop these owners from doing something crazy like that again because Mm. it's only a matter of time before that genuinely does come up again the Super League ain't you know, just because it's gone and they've stopped and because the fans actually probably stopped it doesn't mean it's it's just gone. They're going to come mm-hmm. back. These guys are, are greedy owners and that's putting it in a nice way. They don't get enough. It's money, 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 money. How can we yeah. make the most money? How can we utilise the fans' loyalty to, to, to fill our pockets even more? It's mm-hmm. that sort of mentality from them. They're not football people. Very a very small percentage of owners in the top elite division. I mean, I'm going to use Germany as maybe as a... You know, I take that out of the equation. So I think they've got a great culture out there. But, you know, some of the owners in the Premier League and, and et etc. et cetera, they're just, it's just money orientated, isn't it? It's a business and mm-hmm. it's tough. It really is. And and these are people with power and it's not just like, it's not going to be a case of us going to protest and they're going to go and set up the next day, are they? We know that, no. you know, it's not going to happen, but there is, there is room for these owners to improve or rectify these issues but they just they don't care i don't think Mm. they do we pay the highest ticket um highest ticket um prices in europe and we imagine if we was watching that this season mate no one would be happy (laughs) do you know what i mean and it's just i've had enough mate i I genuinely have and i'm and and then florentino perez coming out and saying that you know fans are not interested in football in a certain age bracket i mean you do not speak for me you know i'm i'm a i'm a (laughs) You know, it's just, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you know about the ESL. What do you think on that as well? Because for me, that was, that was unforgivable. Anything Daniel Levy does, I just
0: can't see past it anymore. It's just, that was the last bit for me, mate. So I think my explanation would probably make me seem like I'm a bit sympathetic to Levy. But what I would say is I think it was led by the American owners of some of the other clubs, because it's a very American idea. Of uh, a system with no relegation, it's, you know, it, it's just like all of their major sports leagues, and I think they led it because Man United, Liverpool are at a financial disadvantage compared to Chelsea and Man City, who effectively, you know, are using sovereign wealth of other countries in order to get where they are. Mm. So I think, mean, and also there is some greed involved. We know the Glazers are terrible owners, taking money out of the club constantly. So I think it was their proposal, and I think once you've got like Perez, you've got Barcelona involved. Um, and you've got some of the Italian giant clubs, the guy from Juve was pushing it heavily as well. I think there's a certain element where Levy probably felt a bit, you know, a bit pleased to be asked, like, yes, I've I've grown this club into like one of the big ones that are being brought to this table. But also if he didn't go for it and he, he genuinely made a massive error in thinking that it was going to go ahead. I mean, what do you think would have happened if it had gone ahead and we hadn't been involved in it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's almost like a no-win situation. Like You'd have won the moral argument, but then people would have been going, we've gone through all the last 10 years of not spending money, building this stadium, yeah. and now we're completely left behind anyway.
1: This, this is what I'm saying. Like, If he wouldn't have accepted the invitation, then a Leicester would have took it or et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. I think it's just the, just the, the motive behind it. Just, it's just not, it's not football. It's absolutely not. Football should be based on merit. And these owners have come together behind everyone's back. I spoke to the trust and I asked them, did they consult you or let yeah. you know or, or in preparation of the of the ESL, you know, warn you, say, look, guys, this is happening. Get prepared. We're going to put out. Nothing. No. And the THSD told them, if this is something that's going to happen, let us know. Let the fans know. Legislate with us. So we yeah. know and we're prepared and we, we understand or we're trying to see your angle. Nothing. Completely behind the fans back, completely by the trust back. And literally tried to snake the whole of football. And I yes. don't know if you agree with the concept, but no, 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 no. The, no. the main motive was, was was money, and that's a fact.
0: That's the biggest problem with it is the lack of being able to actually get into it. Um, you know that closed loop where they'd allow five other teams that got there through merit each season. I've got no interest in it. I just wouldn't have had any interest in us playing the same European teams over and over again. The idea of competition is what football is all about. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I hated the premise of it. Straight away, and I've—it's been rumbling for years as well. This is the yeah. thing, and I've—I've I've constantly said if this happens, football's fucking ruined, and I won't be going. So I was really happy that within like 24 hours <laughs> it was dead in the water. Do you know what I mean? This is great. the mean. This is what, I'm, what I'm saying, mate.
1: These these owners haven't got a backbone. The fans spoke out, and immediately, you no, know, their chest popped,
0: and there was nothing, mm-hmm. and they all, all withdrew from it. I would love it if I agreed that I thought it was all play uh, sorry, fan power. But I think the fact that government got involved straight yeah, away, you yeah. load, loads of media, like, you know, all of the pundits, as much as like people were trying to say that Gary Neville was a hypocrite. I was just like for matters like this, it doesn't matter. Like what he's saying is right. <laughs> so yeah. just listen to him. Don't try and say like, Oh yeah, but you're conflicted because of Sky, et cetera, et cetera. But it's um yeah, I just think it was good that, that that instantly happened. But then, likewise, I think the only reason it did fall apart is because you look at the first two teams in England that pulled out, which was Chelsea and Man City. And like I said earlier, they're the two teams that don't need it that much. Yeah. They were probably like, well, we'll go along. If, if Man, you know, all these big teams are involved, then of course we have to be involved. But they were the ones that were least bothered about it. They're the ones in the least financial trouble. You look at Barca, Real Madrid, a lot of the Italian teams are all in massive financial difficulties at the moment um so i don't i don't probably think that perez is what he's saying is wrong like mm. real madrid can't carry on like they are barca can't carry on like they are because they've just been spending far too much money on players and they're not going to get it back i could see that from their point of view but yeah the, the, just the premise of it is the thing that's wrong isn't yeah. it it's like I think there's other solutions. If you can't afford to run as a football club and the current conditions, then the conditions need to change yep. and not just by perpetuating this move to spend more money and get more money and more money because in the end, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's going to run out, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's the and problem.
1: Look, I'm, I've never... I don't know. When, when I really switched was just sort of... I think the 550 days when when we spent zero, zero pounds was the point when I was like is going on this is unheard of like the stadium and all was it planned was it full through i don't know but since then i just i don't know maybe I, it was just a point where levy just didn't want to spend money i've got no clue what happened these are the things mm-hmm. you don't know the conversations that go on and you thought we was going to get a bit of an insight in the documentary and that was for me that was a bit of a pr yeah thing absolutely. move for the club and i was like well this is this is rubbish what so, i mean i didn't i didn't learn anything Levy yeah. seemed a bit too rosy for me. They they put him in a light where it was an angel. You know, like it was just, <laughs> for me, it was, I didn't I didn't enjoy it either. And I just feel like this is the time when I feel like it could be productive. I genuinely do. And mm-hmm. the more pressure that is put on the board, the more likely they are to act and actually get, you know, think, you know, we're not doing something right here. What's going on? Well, I hope okay. so anyway. And that's the, that's what we're trying to aim for is to get our message across. And to be honest with you, it's mm. not just Daniel Levy and it's not just the ball. It's inadequate staff in our club like Steve Hitchin, et etc., et cetera, that are mm. just not doing their job properly. And it shows in the performances. Mm. And like I said, I don't know the conversations that go on. I don't know what happens in the club day to day. No one does really, but there is something going wrong. And what is it? I believe it's the ball. I don't know what you think. I don't know whether you think it's a, it's a collective, but I think the main centre of this football club is the ball. They are the driving force. They had a train, if you'd like to put it in a, an analogy, of this football club. If they're not performing, the team don't perform. If they're performing, the team are performing. And yeah. I think that's evident in, in sort of, I'm not, a, I'm not a numbers guy, but if you look at it and you look on paper at the structure of some clubs, we haven't got it at all. It's completely been lost for years. I think since Pochettino left, we've, <laughs> we've just been a circus, to be honest with you. And we're not going forward, we're going backwards. Mm. And I think before, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, I fear that it could get ugly in the next few years if we don't fix up. And I think putting pressure on the ball might make us fix up a little bit and we won't be in that situation.
0: But but when you say that, what do you mean? Because really one of the fans' biggest problems with, with Enoch is the fact that they see him his penny pinching or him like trying to get the best deal possible has led to us missing out on certain transfers. And then the other argument, which I don't think you can really disagree with, is that the squad has regressed over the last few seasons. Yep. So what is it we really want? Because... I mean, I am assuming you've been a Spurs fan for like what ten, twelve since years, since since
1: I would come out my mum's room, mate. To be honest, <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> Con- consciously, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. I mean. yeah, yeah, nice, no, so like, yeah. Red Knapp era probably would have been like one of your earlier years, yeah, bit bit before,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Since okay. I can remember, anyway, yeah.
0: So you know, he, he started off okay. So if we go back to we'll go back to Yol, and yeah. then we had Arneson, as the director of football came in, bought a load of players, then Chelsea took him, so we got in Comelli, yeah. Comolli did something, you know, got Bale, Modric, quite a few players in there that he got. But in the end, Comolli took the fall for, for uh, I think it was basically for saying that we should get Ramos in and that obviously ended in disaster. So they both fell on that one. Yeah. Then we got Redknapp in and Redknapp had, had his own little um, scouting network, which he used and he was would get sort of players in. They weren't really like people that no one had ever heard of. They were just the right players at the right time. And, yeah. and that was his pragmatic approach. And then when we got AVB, we then went and got Baldini, and then so you've got different approaches where he's gone for people that are football people like Baldini was well respected in Italian football as the director of football. AVB said he wanted him, He came in, bought the less magnificent seven. And now everyone derides that and said it was a massive waste of money. Mm. And then but people moan that Levy gets too involved in the transfers. But when he's tried different approaches, getting football men in to buy players, that's not necessarily worked out that well either. Like it's not an exact science buying footballers, is it?
1: I think my counter argument to that is if you actually look at half of them, why they've left is because mm. Daniel Levy's getting involved too much. This is a guy who wants to micromanage every little piece mm. out of his football club. I can understand business is business. He wants to make money, whether that's, I don't know, buying out something can turn into something spurs, you know, property outside the ground. He wants to turn it into this, this and this. I know that's yeah. going to happen. That's just, yeah. it's just, it's just, it just will happen. But football is football, and you need to let the footballing people make those decisions.
0: Yeah.
1: I wouldn't mind it if he brought in a, I'll give you an example, brought in a Luis Campos and said, look, here's 70 mil, mate. You work with Jose, et cetera. Yeah. Do what you want. I do not care. I'm not going to get involved. I'll just, let, I'll just help get the deal over the line. But he doesn't do that. It's always questioning, you know, sell-on value and age. And I can tell that in his transfers, and I can tell that over the years that that's the case. And if yeah, you yeah. look at as to why, um, what was his name? He worked with Potch as well. And it was gone after a year. Oh yeah, yeah. Paul Mitchell was because he was getting involved too much, and this is this is the problem we've got. Is that I can understand that Levy is a is a good person for infrastructure and creating stability, but where is our ceiling at this club? Where is the board ceiling? Have mm. they have they reached it? And, and that's it. Can they? Can we go to that next level? Is my question, and I'm not entirely sure that this board are, are adequate enough to do that in my eyes, anyway.
0: Yeah, the thing I think about Levy is that for every sort of transfer that we seem to miss out on because of a couple of million, he'll buy some play and you're just like, like Soko. <laughs> and you're like, What? When he came for thirty million, I was like, What why are we buying him for thirty million? Like, all right, we shouldn't be spending that sort of money. And it feels like we've wasted money on players that are definitely not worth it. Yep. Where we've it seems like we've not you know, we've we've tried to bargain on players for a couple of million when we could have just got them. But okay, there's five teams in the Premier League who have always had more money than us, therefore pay higher wages than us and are generally more successful. Like there's a massive correlation between what you what you can spend and what you achieve. And I get this feeling that because of our success in terms of where we came from to where we are, like not loads of trophies, but our average position and standing within English football mm. has m- vastly improved under Enid to the point where now, you know, it was always top four, we need to get top four, we need to get top four. Then when that didn't propel us to like, you know, buying messy Ronaldo type players, fans are like, well, we need to win a trophy. It's like, it feels to me like the goalpost move because of the dissatisfaction of where we are. When, you know, when you started supporting Spursville, probably like even when you were born, we were finishing like 14th, 15th, something like that. But- so I do feel like it's a little bit harsh on Levy. Like if we'd have, and also the fact that we, we say we never win trophies, but we've been to like, what, five five finals and we've only won one of them. So if a team's good enough to get to a final, but it doesn't win, does that, you know what I mean, people guys, because Levy's not spending yeah. money. But if you get to a final, you're 90 minutes away from winning a final, you're good enough to have won a trophy. Do you know what
1: I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean, but just, would you agree with me that the peak in the last decade, wherever you want to call it, was, was probably 16, 17 time, right? You know, just yeah. unbeaten at White Hart Lane, et cetera, et cetera. In Maybe, terms
0: of football and results, everything was at its absolutely. peak. Absolutely.
1: I think in the two-year period of 2016, 2017, around then, we'd lost nine games yeah. in total. That is nuts. And what we did that killed us, we stood still. We didn't We didn't think, what's next? We mm. just stood still and try, was like, yeah, we're great. What do we need to do? We don't need to do anything. We can't strengthen this squad. We can't. We can't look at our bench. Yeah, it's all right. But the starting eleven's doing the bits. Uh, Sir Alex yeah. Ferguson refreshed the team, got rid of his backroom staff, every little detail to refresh every three years. Spurs mm. didn't do that. And I know that comes from the manager as well, but we haven't done that. We were so close, yeah. so, so close to actually sustaining some success to that Premier League and even the Champions League. And we was 5-10% we was away. 5-10% away. And we let it slip away and look at us now. We can't yeah. even beat Zagreb in the Europa League. <laughs> this is the point I'm trying to make. I'm not accepting us dropping this low when we've been so high, We're so mm. close. 13 years without a trophy, 13 mm. years. And in an Enix tenure, 20 years, one Carling Cup.
0: Yeah,
1: And I understand he's created stability and he's built a stadium and and he's, he's got this training ground and his, his sponsorships and the bloody Lady Gaga concerts, but that's not football for me. I don't wake up and brag to my friends and, and send them photos of, of profit sheets and look how much money no, we've made. of course not. Of course not. I want to see Spurs lift trophies. I want to go to Wembley. I want to go with my friends and my family and see Spurs lift trophies. And I mm. don't believe that the ball prioritise trophies enough and they see top four as their trophy. And that's mm. the problem with modern football as well it's a lot of the other clubs as well and this is my issue but there's got to be a point where we've got to sit down and say this is not right we've got to change there's something's mm. up the mentality the the how we how we dismiss these cups and it's filtered down to the fan base believe it or not people are dismissing the FA cup and the Carabao cup because it doesn't yep. bring in money that's not yep. the mo- that's not the point the point i'm trying to make is that we're not going to look in 20 years time and look back and think well well, we didn't win a Champions League, but Daniel Levy built a stadium, state of the art, that the, the pitch opens up and you know, we've got we've got a nice bar that's the longest in Europe and I appreciate these things, but <laughs> it's not football things. These are these are like property things. This yeah. is this is why I feel I don't know what you think, but the mindset for Spurs fans under Enoch, and I'm not saying it's the majority of the fan base, but there's certainly a strong percentage that have changed their look on football because of because of how the club have operated
0: yeah but I'd put it in context, and I think the problem is is the man City and Chelsea because you see there that spending money equals success, and the speed at which that happened, like Man City within what three years of their owners being there, had won the league and were winning you know all the cups. And I feel like because we've not taken that approach and we're basically, you know, he runs it strictly as a business. There's no money from outside coming into Spurs to spend on players. And there's probably a small about being taken out to, mm. to spend on stadium stuff. So I think that's the problem. I think he had a plan, which was, you know, in maybe now would have been the time when we'd start to kick on when the stadium was built. And while it was being built, he wasn't expecting us to be finishing third, second, third. Yeah. So I agree, like his inflexibility... Is probably my biggest issue in that period because we could have bought one or two players. We definitely could have improved that squad a little bit. First eleven was fantastic. We had a great team over those two seasons. And yes, that probably would have been the time. And and I think that the difficulty was is that, that next season we get to the Champions League final. Um and we finish fourth. And so at that point, Levy's probably thinking, Well, we're still doing <laughs> we're still doing pretty well. Do you know Jay, what I mean? Top
1: four to them <laughs> is a success. They're happy, yeah. they're content because the top four money is is brilliant. So they yep. don't care, they don't want to, there's not that hunger, that drive. No, we don't want top four, we're not settling for that. We want to go and win the Prem now, we want to push further. There's not yep. that mentality with the ball and that's my issue. They're very comfortable getting top four year in, year out. That's yeah, it, for, that's the bottom line. We start the season, top four. It's not going to win the FA Cup, going to win the Premier League and etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It's get top mm. four. That's the problem. That is the problem. And, and, and look, this is, this is what he said to the trust, right? Look, he said, um, the foundations are there for Spurs to be one of the biggest clubs in the world. He also said, the easy way to success is to spend big money on players. The harder way is to lay foundations in Daniel Levy's view. That is the fundamental to a sustainable football club. Mm. The ambition is to make Spurs regular, uh, regular Champions League contenders. He wants Spurs to complete at the highest possible level without jeopardising the club. How many of them are being fulfilled? I'm not entirely sure. Do we have the foundations to be one of the biggest clubs in the world? I don't know. We've got a state-of-the-art training ground, and we're not producing players. It's the bottom. It's the fact we've got no footballing structure. Hmm. We're not. Produ- we're not performing, and this is not. This is not just a reactionary point in terms of this season. This has been going on for three, four years now. We haven't been great for a long time, and I don't. I, I don't know about you, but I don't see improvement. I don't see. How anyone can sit here and say that we're progressing
0: in a, in a year's time? We're going to be a much better team. Mm. I mean, I think this is where being nineteen and being forty, which is which is what is slightly different, because three time three years when you're nineteen is like a shitload of your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three years for me has just gone by in no time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, so yeah, I understand that. It's difficult because I I fully sympathise with the fact that we could have spent money when we haven't, and I think, um, but I understand why. Like I said, I think Levy's looked at it and gone, well if I use this profit that we've made in these, through this Champions League money that we weren't budgeting for, we weren't expecting, mm. if I spend it on players and salary and then we don't get in Champions League next year, that's, that's going to overburden the club slightly. But it's completely unadventurous. And I think that's the problem when you've got a man who is effectively running the club on a, on a balance sheet. Um. he's got all of these different plates he's spinning which he's trying to figure out but his big concern is like I need to keep us being attractive because I need to get stadium rights I need to increase our sponsorship money I need to do this I need to do that to get his work you know to where I want them to be but I think the thing he doesn't seem to realise is that the reason Chelsea are a massive club the reason Man City are a massive club in terms of support now is because they win things yeah if you spend money and you win you'll get new fans and you'll you'll increase the stature of the club and that's always the thing he's missed. It's been such a gradual increase for us. Um, mm. And I mean, like I said, for a lot of fans, they're not happy with it. But I personally do think that if COVID hadn't hit, we would be in such a stronger position. I think the idea, as much as I hated getting rid of Potch. Oh, absolutely. Probably not in terms of results, because if it was anybody else, you'd be like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a terrible run of form. But it was Potch. He deserved. So, he had so much more credit in the bank for me that he should have been given a bit more time and given a bit more backing. Mm. And um, but I personally think that he thought right. I need a galactico manager, and, and obviously Jose was free, and he thought right. I'll get Jose in, new stadium, loads of extra money. I'll trust him next summer to get some players in, and then we'll make a put. You know, we'll make a push up the up the table. But obviously COVID happened. Yeah. We've lost 90 million pounds, whatever it was, 80 million pounds last year. Whilst we would have made a load Like we're a bigger club in terms of revenue now than Arsenal, Chelsea, with just behind Liverpool, Man United far away in Man City so we're like he's definitely progressed the club in terms of the money we've got and our wage bill is still pretty small so there should have been money to spend again I think the issue is that we don't we don't spend it on the right players and I don't know whether that's because we're not quite as attractive as the bigger clubs and I, I think that's hard for Spurs fans to admit is that they kind of say oh, we don't ever get the best players we could have got this player but he went to Man United we could have got you know like Fernandez. we could have got he went to Man United we could have got various different players but they end up going to bigger teams, and I don't know whether that's just because we're slow negotiating the price, or whether yeah. it's just if Man United say, "Oh, we're interested," they're going to go right on going to Man United. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this is a
1: guy, though, right? That during a pandemic gave him and his ball members a pay rise, yeah, whilst trying to furlough staff. Yeah, he does not care. I'm telling, I'm going to tell. I don't
0: dispute this. I don't dispute is, it. That's the thing. This is, he doesn't this is
1: what I'm saying? I just I want people to wake up and and smell the coffee this is a guy who literally gave himself a pay rise He's one of the highest paid chairmen try and then try to furlough the staff and quickly res- reserve the um reverse sorry the decision because of fan backlash yeah
0: yeah
1: this is what i'm this is what i'm saying and 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 based on this with the esl coming um crashing down because of fan pressure and him mm. reversing the decision because of the the furlough with because of fan pressure if we put pressure on him as fans now we might see an improvement or we might see change. We need changing behaviour at this club, mm. changing structure, changing mentality. And until we fans, we don't voice our opinions, they won't know. And they won't care if we write any account on Facebook and Twitter. They w- mm. they will have to see it in the media, in the newspapers, where it hits home. And it's, it's a tough one because, you know, people saying, well, well, don't renew. You know, don't buy merchandise. Don't buy food when you go to the stadium. Well, yeah. My £5 pie is not going to make a difference to Enoch's tenure at its club or how long they are. But It will
0: do. 60,000 people. Yeah, this is what I'm about
1: to say. This is what I'm about to say. But if it's a collective and it's a strong group and the fan base is united, then it makes a difference. But until if the fan base is split in half, Enoch in, Enoch out or whatever, if you want to call it in that terms, it's going to stay the same. It really is because they've got no reason to move or to change or because 50% are, are fine with it. And the fifty percent mm. are more likely to win because they're content with it, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's a tough one, isn't it? And and people say as well, like I'm saying with the tickets, in normal times, you know, give that up. Well, another person is going to ca- come and take my ticket. You give up your season ticket, there's another sixty thousand people waiting in the mm. in, in the line. So it's a tough situation, and one of the few solutions as to get our message across that we're not happy with the board is a protest or as such if you want to call it to at mm. out of the side of the stadium on a match day whatever it is etc etc so
0: yeah I, I don't know what the answer is for that because I, I think you mentioned it earlier we're really bad at collective action Spurs fan group we just are because a lot of people are just very like apathetic about it like we pay so much for tickets you look at Dortmund, I think Liverpool did it, didn't they? When they were like being charged seventy something quid for a ticket, they all walked out on the seventy yep. something minute. If you like, five, or, and that was Fenway, who everyone says they're a great owner, but they've made mistakes as well because they are exactly the same as Enoch, just with a little bit more ambition, and yep. better better recruitment strategy. It's the same thing. Um, and yeah, and, and Dortmund are very good, like the German teams are very good at protesting against ticket prices whilst we just turn up. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> yeah. And this is the problem. This is the problem within the fan base as well. And I don't like to criticise the fan
1: base because I love our fans. Do you know what I mean? We're one big family, but there is problems. Do you know what I mean? And, and mm. I was at the Bayern Munich game. I think it was Bayern Munich. It must have been. And they were protesting against ticket prices throwing yeah. um, toilet paper on the pitch. I don't know if you remember.
0: Yeah. And Spurs, yeah.
1: some A group of Spurs fans were booing and I'm going, what? yeah they're protesting about ticket price and you're sitting there booing but i'm glad you referred to the german model and the culture there, because i'm a big big fan of it massive fan of it um and i want to read you out something as well from uh uli Hunes. forget the pronunciation i probably just butchered his name right (laughs) german guy um i think he's german but he's the buying club president right okay he goes we could charge more than 104 pound this is referring to season tickets Let's yeah. say we charge £300, we get £2 million more in income, but what's that £2 million to us? In a transfer discussion, you argue about that sum for five minutes, but the difference between £104 and £300 is huge for the fan. Mm. We do not think that fans are like cows who you milk. Football has got to be for everybody. That's the biggest difference between us and England. And this is the point I like to echo you know, football was a working uh, working man's sort of sport. It was made from the fans. It was created for the fans. It's for the fans, right? Yeah. Yep. So the point I want to make is that these values should never go. These values should never go. And the fans and the board, uh, the, the board sorry, should always consider the fans, right? And I don't think they do. We pay the highest, as you say, the highest um, ticket money in Europe and they're not dishing it up and they're not satisfying us. Do you know what I mean? If, imagine paying that and you're not even in a European competition, How? And (laughs) this is the point I'm making. If the ball are not progressing, not going forward, Mm. sooner or later, things are going to go sour because fans won't be paying a grand, half half a grand, etc. Whatever to be in that stadium when we're dishing up bad performances week in, week out and we're not performing and we're getting embarrassed, etc. So something has got to change. Something. Yeah,
0: it's 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 no different what happened at Arsenal, is it? They get a brand new shiny stadium, but the football just deteriorated, and then they all become disheartened with it, and yeah. then they want the manager out, and then when that doesn't work, they want the owners out. I mean, again, the issue for me is you look the Arsenal process last week was decent. You can't argue they had a lot of people turn up for that, and the next day, Cronky comes out and says, "I've got no intention of selling." And it's a bit different for him because he's in America, so he just probably doesn't give a shit about people protesting in England. Yeah. Obviously, like Levy might even be in the stadium when you guys turn up. Um, so it's it's a bit different. He's a bit closer to it, but I still think it's the same problem: is that people protesting? It, it gives them an idea that you know that people are getting less and less happy about it. It's been rumbling for a long time, but yeah. this would be an actual protest, and it would be interesting to see what happens if we're allowed back in stadiums next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. You're right. I mean, the football that we watched this year, there would have been boos at halftime mm. in so many games I can think of this season where it's just terrible. And and it'd be interesting to see once we get back in whether there will be sort of decent demonstrations against the club. But again, in a season where we're likely to lose more money again this year, yep. there's not going to be any money. Like we've, we've talked about this in our pod about what we're going to do this summer in terms of transfers because there's players that need to go. And we need to fill some gaps. To me, it feels like there's going to be no money. Whatever manager comes in, there will be no money to spend. So, what are we really expecting in the short term? Um, mm. because you know, you talk about getting a, a somebody in to do the football stuff. We've got Steve Hitchin. Everyone's decided that he's rubbish because he's oh. <laughs> like his transfer, his transfers have not been great. It kind of speaks for itself, yeah. doesn't he? And the fact he then got promoted after being chief scout to uh, now director God. of football and analytics, wherever he is. you do think like Come on, Levy. This is like he must see like a Liverpool with their you know money ball. The players they got in based upon analytics and statistics. I know, like you said, we tried it with Mitchell, but mm. that lasted such a short space of time. Yeah. So, like, what do we do? Do we get somebody like Ranick in to kind of really to be a director of football and set up a structure and. Mm. And something like that, because it does feel like at Spurs, we just go through these sort of waves of, right, we'll do this now. Right, now we'll do this. Now we'll do this. We've got a new manager, so we'll do this.
1: This is the thing. He's completely messed up this club and this project. He sacked Pochettino and brought in Mourinho and it didn't even work. That is mm. a massive sacrifice. And now we're in a position where we've got Ryan Mason and we don't even know where our manager is going to be in for the next season. This no. is the position we're really in. And I've just had, I've, I'm have just i just I'm just sick of it, mate. The club. The, the club don't know how to plan. You sack a manager six days before a final, irrespective of your opinion of Jose Mourinho. It's unheard of. Come on. Six days before a final, you sack a manager when there was plenty of sackable offences before in Zagreb (laughs) and Arsenal. And you think, well, if you're going to pull the trigger, and this is the point I'm trying to make, why did he sack Jose Mourinho the morning after the ESL? Was it a smokescreen? Did he try and divert the attention? Was it based on the money that he thought he was going to get from the ESL? I've got no clue. But it just doesn't work, and now we're sitting here scrapping and seeing managers blatantly sort of reject us if you if you if you listen to the papers yeah. or, or or renew their contract, no names involved yeah. and this is the point I'm making and we've had players that have left in the past we've not even replaced three four years on mm. we've had glaring gaps in this team that we've tried to get the cheap option it's not worked it will not work and we're just not we've not even got a structure mate if I saw a structure at this club and I'm seeing us going forward and I'm seeing us winning games and we've got a good foundation to go and win a trophy. Mm. Then I'm fine, but I've not seen that and I don't think we will under this current board. And I don't know about your opinion if you think that Enoch can fulfill this this scene that they've created with this with a with a training ground with a stadium. But I tell you now, I do not think they have the ability or the thinking or the rationale
0: to be able to do it. It's hard to tell because I think you're right. The the one aspect that Levy 100% falls down on is the football inside of it and that's getting the right players, getting the right people in to identify players. And, and that structure, like you talked about, has never really been there. We're like We had a fairly good youth academy with um, McDermott there, and he's, he's left. Um, and we do seem to just kind of like bring in some experts players like Mason and, and stick them in, in, in the academies. And we had like Sherwood, obviously, before. Yeah. But there never seems to be like a real coordinated plan. And I don't know, like, there's probably very few people in the world that know to put that together. Like, there's some great academies out there and there's some great football instructors. But um, it's just difficult to know who who would be the right solution. And you kind of feel like if we get someone in and it doesn't work out, then he'll just get blamed for that as well. It's a very difficult thing. Mm. There's no, like, guaranteed solution where you'll win apart from... Buying the best players and spending the most money on their wages. I think that's you, that's the problem. Do you feel like if you have
1: ticked all the boxes and you have ticked all the solutions, that that means that then the ball are not ready for this club or they'll be able to take us forward? If you if you've literally done everything, you've tried the director, you've tried not having one, you've switched it up, new manager, this and that, another. Five, let's go five years down the line, and we still can't get into the top four, etc. Mm. As an, an example, then people surely that saves you that this ball cannot take us any further than they have done.
0: I mean, to a point, but I feel like this argument always looks at it as if it's just us. It's like a computer game where it's yeah. just us against a load of passive people, but we're not. We're playing we're, we're competing against 19 other teams each year, five of which have had more commercial clout and were potentially more attractive to players. Yeah, when they do better than us, I'm not entirely surprised. Like You look at who's won the league and won the major trophies in this country in the last 20 years, and there's only about three or four of them that have not been one of those top five teams. Now, obviously, we should have won a few more, and we've had opportunities to do so, but I'm not overly surprised that teams that have had more spending power than us have done better. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. Um but the point is is I, I appreciate all of the, the missteps and the miscalculations and the lack of ambition that Levy has shown. So in that context, yeah, we could have done better. I think that's the point everyone gets to. They see these decisions and they're like, if we'd have just done this, yep. and if we'd have just done this, and there's always gonna be that nagging sense in the background of like, if we'd have just spent a bit more money and not been quite so frugal, mm. we could have we could have won something. But this this is the thing though. He he wants and aspires to have champagne
1: football and lemonade money. He wants <laughs> he wants the 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 five million in his pocket if he's going for a Diabla or a Fernandez. And by the time that you know, just, let me put it into terms. Right, we've got you've got a you've got Fernandez before the Sharks come swimming. Spurs because they've not got that financial privilege or the ball don't 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 ship out that money quick enough. We've yeah. got to be quick. We've got to be quicker to these players that are going to improve us. And be yeah. and be there before the big clubs like the United, like the etcetera, etcetera, the Cities, the Munichs. We've got to be quick. We've had so many deals scuppered because we've we've messed about, and it's it's there on paper. Like it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's it is a hard one, and I'm I'm just strong in my beliefs. I believe that they've they've reached their limit in terms of the club and the capacity mm-hmm. they can they can make at this football club in terms of on the pitch um, performances. Um, but I don't know. It is a tough one, man. It is, and it's just it's just a thing of I've seen the same thing over and over: sacking managers, yep. trying to get the best out of the crap players that need to be gone three, four years ago. Trying to bring in another manager, see if that works. Sacked him. Mm. You know, he sacked yo at half time. He sacks Pochettino. You know, in a really awkward timing. Whether you like when you thought if he was you know declining or not. sacks Jose. Throws Mason in the deep end. We don't know who's next.
0: Mm.
1: Are we going to attract a big manager anymore? Because he's he's, he's sacked Jose. And I thought he was going to change then. How much was I wrong? Because I I don't know about you, but I think uh, Levy was in love with Jose. And he finally got his man. And it was about 10 years too late. But that's another argument. Um, yeah,
0: I thought Jose was going to have the bollocks to be able to stand up to him and say yeah. this is what you need to do, and Levy was going to listen. But that's again why I say like the COVID situation might have scuppered us a little bit. I think if we'd have had more money, I think Jose could have probably got it out of him. This, this is the thing, though, and I understand your point about the pandemic. Like, it's been awful
1: for most clubs. It really has been a pain, and even as fans, like you, you miss going to the ground. You miss, yeah, you know, meeting your friends on a match day. You don't get that vibe anymore. And I don't know when. I mean, hopefully, I think Villa is a game where there'll be fans. And again, yeah. alluding to your point earlier about when fans are back, I'd be interested to see what happens then.
0: You know, is, you got, If you've got 5,000 fans, most of them are just going to be happy to be there. Do you know what I mean? There was no protest at the cup final. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, that's the point. And about uh, the fan
1: base being split. We can't be split. It's not going to make an effect. Mm. I'm saying it's not going to work at all if the fan base is 50-50. So you, we've got to be united. And I don't know... See, this is the point I struggle to to understand: is that how any Spurs fan is not demanding more from the club, and I find it difficult and I understand pandemic, but we've always been that nearly team. Always yep. been that. Are oh, we just that one player away, or we, 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 you know, this this player away, or that player, or this away, and I just, I'm just always, I'm just annoyed of being a nearly team. I genuinely am yeah. yeah, because we've been so close, mate, so so close. And this is the this, reason why I, I don't think this ball can take us any further or they yeah. need to change their behaviour to take us further. Can they do it? I don't know. You know, we'll have to wait. It's a waiting game, isn't it? Like I said, Levy and, and Enoch, whatever, are temporary owners of this football club. Players, managers go, chairmen go, owners go, but the fans will always be here. So, And that's the bottom line of it. So it's going to be interesting, mate. Exactly.
0: And the problem is, is with football, like we'll always pay the money. We'll always go. Like, even when we're talking about the ESL, my compromise was like, I'm not going to give up my season ticket, but I just won't watch any of the ESL. If like, I can still go to Premier League games, then I'll support that. But I'm not going to the ESL because it's difficult. Like, Spurs could pretty much do anything. It's just like, it's different. Like, they're your football club and the owners are something entirely different. So, as much as I can moan about it and try and say, like, we shouldn't pay these prices. Like, do you remember, I don't know if you would have got it, but there was a questionnaire when the stadium was being built and, they, and it was like, it had a picture of the stadium with all the different stands and it had all these pricing options. And I just basically, for every single one, it was like 10, it was like, what would you do if the prices were this in this area? And I was just like, cheapest, 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 yeah, 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 cheapest. Yeah. I would sit in the cheapest stand out of these four and I'd pay that. And I feel like some people just didn't do that. And they were like, oh, well, this looks nice. I'll pay uh, Yeah, I'll pay the two grand for a ticket. Like, no, just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they knew that people were going to pay it. So we've now find ourselves in this situation. There was no complaints. There was no protest. People were just happy to get a season ticket. Yeah, But mate, 150 quid is a season ticket in Germany. Put that into perspective,
1: a <laughs> season ticket in Germany rather than one game at Spurs. And this is the That's- problem. I know we can, I could talk about hours about the bad things about modern football. And that is one mm. of them, mate. And this is the thing, the club are playing and testing our loyalty. The same yeah. with the other clubs. They've got together and they thought, well, oh, we might be able to get away with this. And they didn't. And this is the thing, like you're saying, you couldn't give up your season ticket. It will be so mm. hard of you to do that because this has probably been your life, right? As cringy as it sounds, this is people's lives, mate. There's are people that are 60, 70 years of age that have been going since they were kids with their parents, yeah, yeah. different gen- three generation families going together. Do you know what I mean? I go down with my old man. I could never give up my ticket. As much as it, as much as hypocritical as it might sound, that I'm calling for Enix head and I'm saying, yeah. get out of my club. And I'm going to go and give him my ticket money, my dad's ticket money. It's not the point. They're testing it. They're trying to play on our loyalty. Yeah. And this is the point I'm making. It's going to be tough for people to do that because it's their lives. It genuinely is. It's what people look forward to on a weekend.
0: Yeah, we will put up with a lot of shit and still go and watch football. That's just how it is. Yeah, but. I agree. Maybe just don't spend money on shirts. Like, yeah. seventy quid for a football shirt is a piss take. Like, don't go and spend money in the Spurs shop, that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, um, it's the little added things, isn't it? Like, go and watch football because that's what you're passionate about. But you don't need to do all the other stuff.
1: Yeah, it's just a bonus, um, isn't it?
0: So, all right, let's wrap this one up. I think we've we've had a good go at sort of <laughs> detailing all of levies.
1: Could have gone on for longer, though. I- I'd have to say, you know, that was just a brief... I could go into a little bit more detail. I am sure you could as well in terms of specific names and moments. But look, at yeah, the end of the day, You can
0: even mention Sahara and Nelson, oh, which is the one that always gets thrown. No, out. <laughs> don't
1: even. But the thing is, right, people, if you are listening and yourself as well, if you are you in and you in you out, the main thing that all, we all want, and I would question you if you don't, and I would actually, you know, I'd be really worried, is if you don't want the best for this club on the pitch. And you yeah. don't want to see Spurs lift over. You don't want to see us succeeding, smashing teams at the lane week in, week out. And that's, yeah. the, that's the one thing in common that we have got, right, as Spurs fans. And we've got to try and find a way where we can try and get that message across. If it's not getting across to the ball, and do that. And I think if you are listening, you're not happy with anything, it might not be the ball, it might be the performances, and you want to come and make your voice heard. 15th, lunchtime, 12 o'clock, come along, make your voice heard. We'll try and do the best. There's a few others, I think, that are maybe being rumoured to be organised further down the line as well. So just keep posting on your socials. Make sure that you're out there on Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be. I think Twitter's the best place, by the way. Um, But look, you know, we'll be making our voices heard on the the 15th. Hopefully a good turnout. We'll see how it goes. And fingers crossed that Spurs improve on the pitch and we we get some better moments back because it's been absolutely josh for the last year. So other than that, thank you very much for having me. It's been a good conversation and fingers crossed things do change to an extent
0: absolutely nice one check and um yeah i'll always agree that people have their right to protest so yeah if you want to go out there and have your voice heard then by all means do it just um try not to smash too much stuff up
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> all right mate nice one cheers for joining no worries thank you very much for that It was a good little good little discussion <laughs> Thought it was going to be really hostile and this and that. And I thought, nah, we're we're a friendly bunch at the Cheese Room, mate. Don't (laughs) (laughs) we? Cheese Room (laughs) podcast, man. I love that name. Well, until next time, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.